There has to be some common sense. Yes, sir, they have the car stopped in Tampa Grant, Michael Biden. We still don't know who pulled the trigger. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Police Off the Cuff Real Crime Stories. I'm your host, Bill Cannon, a retired 27-year veteran, sergeant of the NYPD. And with me today, straight out of Brooklyn, retired NYPD detective, Phil Grimaldi. Yo, what's up, Phil? Not too much, Billy. Uh, ready to rock and roll on this case. Well, guys, we were on at 1 o'clock, and uh, there was supposed to be a press conference at 2, and then we got some news that was... Uh, you know, in these investigations, sometimes the truth comes out and law enforcement gets a little bit embarrassed by it. And I think this qualifies as an embarrassment. Uh, these two, Casey White and Vicki White, the correctional officer, have been missing since the 29th or made their escape, whichever you want to believe. And the car, the sheriff's car, was driven to a parking lot. And I think that was recovered at about 11 a.m. And at 2.37 uh, PM the afternoon that same day, the red SUV was abandoned on the road. Uh, I don't know, approximately a hundred miles. Uh, and whoever the, the towing company, they either did not notify the local police or the local police were notified and they didn't report it. Uh, so sort of a confluence of errors that sets the investigation back a great deal. Now the car is recovered. Was the car, there's a lot of questions. Did the car break down or did they purposely dump the car there? Maybe for another awaiting car that took them somewhere else. Or did they have another car nearby and they dumped the car there? The license plates were not on the car. Um, the car was recovered as, uh, uh, by a towing company. Where are these two now? Now, how, how, what does this do to the investigation? A lot of Billy, questions. I Billy, I think that uh, you're making a lot of great points there. Um, listen, uh, the fact that the car was recovered within hours of their escape, I mean, they left the jail uh, sometime before lunch. The sheriff's vehicle that they escaped in was found around 11 o'clock, like you said. And then at 2.33 or so, the car is found abandoned on a roadway. Now, the press conference this afternoon with uh, Sheriff Ricky Singleton, he basically uh, intimated that, uh, he believes the car broke down and it was left uh, wide open in the area to be found. Reporter pressed him on that and said, what makes you think that? And he says, well, th since the, the, the vehicle was in such a location, I guess it sounds like it was abandoned in the middle of the road. Now, this could have been done intentionally or this could have been done by accident. But he did make mention of mechanical malfunction of the vehicle. I don't know if that's true. He threw that out there. He doesn't seem to be. Uh, uh, very well versed in uh, these type of press conferences, probably the area where he's from. They don't get a lot of high profile cases, but uh, he may or may not have slipped up and said that, that there was mechanical error in the car. We don't know. However, he did make mention of the fact that the car, they tried to spray paint it. So uh, he talked about that. Uh, a lot of moving parts in this uh, investigation right now. Uh, I think the walls are closing in and, uh, guess you're going to play some of that uh, press conference. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to play a little bit of the sheriff. I think that the sheriff is, um, this is way over his head, to tell you the truth. I don't think he's prepared for this. He didn't even know the name of the road that the car was recovered on. You can't go to a press conference without notes, without being prepared. Uh, let me play a little bit of it. Told him that the car had been located there. Uh, they had gotten a call from a local tow company that I guess, uh, realized that they had the car in their impound lot. Uh, they received a call at tow company, or actually Williamson County Sheriff's Office, uh, received a call last Friday afternoon at 1.50 p.m. that the car... That is something to admit to. They received a call last Friday afternoon, and it's just being reported now. Just cannot make this shit up. And you know something, Phil? This happens in big police departments, too. I had a really um, high-profile murder case, and we were looking for the victim's car. It was recovered from some police officers over the Willis Avenue Bridge in the Bronx, and these pricks 
didn't invoice the car. You know what they did? They called the TS operator of the precinct that the car was found because they were too lazy to invoice the car. So, and that set us back. So does that happen? This stuff happens in large police departments too. So I, I don't want to just be so hard on this sheriff, but you could see this is a comedy of errors. Car, there was an abandoned car uh, on whatever road. I'm sorry, I can't remember the name of the road. Uh, they responded. The car was towed at 2.37 p.m. last Friday. So that means that uh, that's about a two-hour drive from here. So about three, hour, three hours and 50 minutes after they left Lawrence, Alabama, they abandoned that vehicle. Uh, we're assuming where it was abandoned, uh, and it was abandoned so quickly that they probably had mechanical problems with it uh, because it was abandoned pretty much out in the middle of nowhere on the side of a county road where it would obviously draw attention and be found. So <clears throat> we know now where the car is. We know where what direction they went. Uh, right now, we're trying to canvas the area uh, for any witnesses. Also trying to research, see if any uh, stolen vehicles were reported in that area uh, during that time. So that's what we're following up on. I have copies of the tow-in for you. If you'd like to get a copy of that before you leave, uh, we uh, redacted the complainant's information. But uh, uh, we're, we're sort of back. The square one as far as the vehicle description right now, as I said, we're working on trying to see if there are any uh, stolen vehicles in that area. Uh, I'm hoping that we will we'll get a break in there. Uh, but we're no longer looking for the Ford Edge. Uh, you know, I just wanted to say to I see a lot of people in the chat. This car was a 2007 Ford Edge. So it's, it's a 15-year-old car. It's not a brand new car. It, it looked, the body looked good and everything, but it's an old car. So how do we not know that she purposely bought this car to dump it? Because it's a 15-year-old car and then maybe had a better car close by. Once they dumped this car, they took the plates off it and they got out of there. There's nothing in the car. So this could have been part of the plan. And if it's part of the plan, you know, she's, um, she's smarter than I thought she was. Uh, I'll, I'll, our district attorney, Chris Conner. Go ahead, Phil. I'm sorry. Go ahead. I was going to say, he, he said in his statement, we're assuming that the car broke down. I think that's something that they should get a hold of that car and see if they could get it to start up. I mean. Uh, exactly. Well, you don't assume any of this shit. No, you see it, if the car starts. Yeah. Look, get, get in there. Get somebody with uh, a locksmith to make up a key or whatever you got to do. Uh, Bill, you made a great point. The car's 15 years old. If you do the uh, estimated mileage of 10 to 12,000 uh, miles a year, the car's loaded with mileage, probably probably 150,000 miles or more. So it's very likely that it could have broken down. Is uh, A lot of times that does happen. But uh, they should know that for fact before he's given his press conference. Not that hard to do. Yeah, I mean, let me play a little bit more of the uh, sheriff. And he had an update for you on the uh, reward information. Thank you, Sheriff. Um, after talking with the sheriff, I contacted the governor's office this morning and submitted a written request for her to give us. All right, that's just about the award. They got another $10,000 from yeah. the governor. It's, it's not that important. The important thing is this, I believe, is a ruse. It was made to look like they broke down. They dumped the car. They either had another car very close by. Don't forget, they had months. She had months to plan this. Oh, you think all of a sudden she buys this piece of shit car that breaks down? No, no, I think they staged that. There was nothing in the car. They took the plates off. Question, how do they know it's the car? Well, they had photographs of the car. The car had damage. They said there was also an attempt to um, spray paint the car to disguise it, which is pretty crazy. I mean, anyone that ever tried to spray paint the car, it looks, it looks horrendous. You know that. Now, now the question is, so now they have a, another week, a week head start. Oh, we can't, we're going to the area? They're not in that area anymore. Well, there was seven reports, days. There was reports that he did have connection to the Tennessee area, maybe not right where the car was found. But, Bill, I'm going to throw something else out there. Now, I don't like to go into conspiracy theories, but suppose they had somebody else helping them and they drove that car out in that direction and they went in the opposite direction and then just leave it on the road to be found in the middle of the day. And you know, there's a lot of different possibilities here. Um, the bottom line is, is that when we went off the air earlier, 
Uh, I looked at a lot of the news reports that were going on. It was almost like I was watching our show with regard to the talking heads and the people on uh, cable news talking about what they believe happened between the inmate and the correction officer. We kind of called it. I think that's going to be that she had a, a, you know, a very, very, uh, you know, loveless uh, life. And uh, she was very, very uh, maybe depressed. And that's what we're going to see that he got her into his good graces. He manipulated her. That's probably. Hey, Phil, what do I need to call you? Dr. Phil, take it easy here with this analysis. (laughs) I'm starting to go into Dr. Phil mode, but well, I think- well, what, I, what I think what I, what I think happened is that she got enamored with this six foot nine inch inmate, and, and they had some kind of a relationship. <laughs> You're probably <laughs> quoting exactly what Dr. Phil might say, but but the bottom line is is that I was watching a lot of the news reports, and it was like watching our own show. So a lot of the stuff that we were saying, other people were saying, other law enforcement. I saw Ted Williams on Fox News, and he was giving basic commentary about. About her. And the one thing that's going to stick out about this case, uh, him being six foot nine inches tall, they're going to stick out, stick out like a sore thumb. I call it a Mutt and Jeff team. That would always mean one big person, one small person. That was a police term that we used uh, during the course of my career. Uh, at the end of the day, the walls are closing in. I think that, uh, you know, there was a lot of pre-planning in this, uh, in this, you know, this attempt to, to escape, uh, not an attempt. They, they, they followed through with it, but they did it. He, he did escape, but, uh, whether or not they'd gone to the lengths of having a duplicate car, uh, you know, waiting in the wings to jump into and have this other car uh, left on the road. That remains to be seen. But again, there's uh, indications they try to spray paint it. The sheriff did say that nothing was found in the car. So that's another interesting point. What I'd like to know, and Bill, you and I talked about this before we went on the air. What was found in the sheriff's car? Were the shackles found in there? Was there a change of clothing? Did he leave the inmate clothing uh, in that car, that vehicle? Because they parked in a parking lot. They went into this other vehicle, allegedly the the Ford Edge. And, uh, you know, there had to be security cameras in that area. So did they change clothes beforehand? Did she give him some type of a uh, corrections officer uniform? Or did he just get out of the car and get into the other car quickly and hightail it out of there? You know, Phil, one of the things that, I, and I think that it doesn't make sense. Oh, yeah, the car just broke down. I, that doesn't make any sense. I, I don't think. So they're walking down the road with an AR-15, a shotgun, a nine, and all kinds of, you know, probably suitcases, duffel yeah, bags with their stuff in it. No, that was a planned meeting place. They made the car look like it broke down. Maybe they even disabled it to make it look like it broke down. But that was a rendezvous point, either with another car or with some other mutts that he knew knew from his life of crime you know but there's no way now we talk about where are they going to stay it's not like they can go to hotel six motel six just don't we'll leave a light on for you you know they're not going to leave a light on for this six foot nine inch inmate or you know this escaped um correctional officer that helped this guy escape so that's a big problem too where are they going to stay well, one of the things I think that's going to be looked at immediately is any phone calls that he made or got from uh, at the prison that he was uh, staying in or at the jail when he was in the uh, local jail where the corrections officer helped him to escape. Because if he does have another person helping him, those calls would have had to been made. I'm sure the marshaled service would be narrowing down and finding that person or persons, interviewing them, uh, drilling down hard on them. That's the investigative part of this case. And, you know, making them accomplices to an escape and threatening them with jail time might, uh, forced cooperation. I'd be looking into those areas for sure. I mean, the plan gets bigger and bigger as the day goes on and uh, as the days go on. I mean, uh, so again, there may be other people involved in this. Was it just uh, Vicky, uh, Vicky White that's involved in this or is there other people? And like I said, uh, there was reports that he had connections to this area in Tennessee where the vehicle was found or somewhere close to there. So that's all the things that uh, the investigators will be looking into, I'm sure. According to the sheriff, this location was a two-hour drive from where they uh, dumped the sheriff's car. So they drove for two hours. Is it possible in maybe in rural Tennessee to drive two hours without going through a toll, without going through a toll booth? Because, like, uh, as we know, in, in the New York metropolitan area, you sneeze and there's another toll booth in front of you. You know, there's also all those cameras around and there's, uh, you know, even well, they're probably not going to stop at a store. It's not like they can go into a Seven Eleven. I would imagine, you know, he's 
he's obviously in regular clothes right now. She had all kinds of time to get him uh, new outfits. He's not going to be wearing his orange prison jumpsuit. Um, he's out of his shackles. He's a free man right now. So where, what in their mindset, where, you know, where are they going? One of the things, of course, the Fugitive Enforcement Division would want to go to that car, the fingerprinted, do all the forensic uh, examinations of the car, and then maybe put bloodhounds on it. But don't forget, it's seven days. Seven days. I don't know if a bloodhound yeah, is going to, that, you know, I've, I've used bloodhounds once in my police career and uh, they failed us. So uh, I, when you talk to a bloodhound handler, they're like, oh, they don't make mistakes. I'm like, dude, this is a dog. <laughs> you know, humans make mistakes. Don't tell me the dog doesn't make a mistake. Listen, I got a lot of faith in the bloodhounds in the, uh, you know, in the immediate uh, time of disappearance with missing children and stuff like that. But this is seven days. I think that'd be a, a little bit difficult for a bloodhound to, uh, to you know, pick up a scent. But Billy, uh, one other thing I wanted to point out now, where the vehicle was found, like you said, there's got to be security cameras along that way. Now, about a two-hour drive makes sense if they exited the, the sheriff's vehicle around 11-ish and the vehicle's found around 233 or 243, whatever he said there, 237. I forget. At the exact time but so it's a little over two hours but that would make sense the time frame is there now what i would be looking for on security cameras traffic cameras etc to see who was in their car if there's two people in the car now it's obvious even on a a grainy uh, video you'd be able to tell if there's one hulking individual and one smaller individual in that car or if it's just being occupied by one person you know so there's a lot of different variables could be but i'd definitely be looking for security camera footage in that area traffic cams etc just to see who was in the car and uh you know whether or not it was occupied by one or two people and and there's so many different variables somebody could be hiding in the trunk the back part of the car or laying down in the back seat so uh, i don't know how careful they were in the first hour or two uh trying to conceal their identities but uh definitely probably had a, a change of clothing in that vehicle uh, when they went from the sheriff's vehicle to the ford edge diana mcginn thank you so much for the two dollar super sticker much appreciated uh, Peter Rabbit, do you think they might go back to the site of where the car was found to see if there are more That's tire really prints possible. there, which might reveal something about another car they got into? Uh, you know something, Peter Rabbit? Good point. Very much so. I mean, look, you don't leave any uh, stone unturned. You know, we used to say, you know, you shake the tree, you see what comes out of the tree. And uh, that's so important. Peter Rabbit, very good point. I like your name too, Peter Rabbit. But it's Easter's over. So, but we're still moving on with this case. I'd hate uh, to be the investigator on the case. And, you know, four or five days from now, somebody says, well, did anybody go back and check the location where the car was found to see if they're... So that's something that should be done right away. Uh, go back to the location, uh, have the tow truck operator say this is where the car was show me the exact spot look around check different areas there possibly could be a security camera in the area it might be a rural road but you never know maybe there's a home with uh, a ring doorbell camera or something like that so definitely that should be done if it's not done i'd be surprised teresita hills bill we don't have tolls in tennessee unless it's memphis well thank you teresita hills but maybe license plate readers you know those are tech technology that's out there in every state every town so a lot of people, a lot of police departments bought them with uh, Homeland Security money. So uh, Susan Campbell Elliott, she has two grown sons, never going to see them again unless it's behind bars or he kills her. You know, we're very concerned with Vicki White also. We think that uh, she's in a heap of danger, as they say in Tennessee. I heard that the police say, you're in a heap of trouble, boy. So, but they might say, She's in a heap of danger, and I think she is being with this savage, that six foot nine inch savage. And um, you know, we 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 hope this is just a horrible error she made, and her life will be spared uh, during this ordeal. You know, Billy, that's one of the things that I said uh, earlier when I watched other news reports. Everybody seems to have the same opinion. They're concerned for her safety. She's in a terribly dangerous situation. Uh, of course, he manipulated her. He, he sold her a bill of goods. He told her how much he loved her, I'm sure, professed his love. And, you know, she had a situation with her previous husband that she couldn't save him. He died as a result. I believe it was Parkinson's disease, possibly related to his uh, drug addiction. So, again, she couldn't save 
her ex-husband. So she's going to try and save this guy. Very, very vulnerable. Uh, again, uh, when he finds, uh, gets to the point where he feels that she's just going to be weighing him down, it might be lights out for her. Let's hope that doesn't happen. However, everybody is of the same opinion that I saw in the news reports, just like you and I are, Bill, that we're very concerned for her safety in this situation. So, Phil, here's the big question that everyone wants to know, and I don't know if we have all the answers, but we are uh, experienced investigators. The Fugitive Enforcement Division, where do they go with this, this new lead today? Or maybe they knew this already. Maybe they just didn't tell anyone that they knew this. But it's being reported to us as if this was breaking news that the car was recovered a week ago at 2.37 in, in the afternoon. I, I mean... Could this be possible that the Fugitive Enforcement Division just found this out too? You know, uh, it's possible. And I would think that steps that I'd be taking based on this new information, number one, respond to where the vehicle is, find out right off the, first of all, a deep, deep examination of the vehicle to see if there's any, any trace evidence, anything that would indicate what their whereabouts are going to be. That's number one. Number two, see if the vehicle is operable so we can either uh, say that yes, the vehicle broke down and the sheriff was correct or put that story to sleep that it wasn't, that it was intentionally left at that location. So that would give us an idea of them trying to throw us off the path of finding their location. The next thing that I would do is go to the location where the vehicle was found, look around, look for security cameras, look for tire tracks, look for any evidence. You know, they might've uh, hightailed it into the woods. If the car did break down, maybe they, you know, were carrying so much stuff, maybe left some things behind. It might be be a trail of evidence that you can follow and possibly find. Maybe there's some abandoned uh, building or uh, unoccupied structure that they could be hiding out in. So many different variables, but you're going to want to look for traces of where they were uh, from that, where that vehicle was located. If there's any traces of them in the area, uh, let's face it, they have to eat. They have to uh, relieve themselves. There might be traces of those things. They could have had food ready, but they threw out some food wrappers. Maybe we could find DNA evidence on food wrappers. Uh, if they relieved themselves in the area, there's so many things that I would be searching for in and around where that vehicle was found just to see if we could pick up a trail of where these two individuals are. Folks, one of the things that then Phil and I, are, of course, uh, experienced investigators, one of the things that I would have been all over would have been the visitors list for Casey White in the prison he was in as well as the jail. And I would look for every single person that visited that guy in the last year. And I would go interview every single one of them. And that's how you can get information. It's almost like when we talk about perpology, the study of the perp, doing a background on him, the same thing with Vicky. I would interview all of her friends, her cell phone, past calls. I would be all over that. And those are the investigative gems that fugitive enforcement will have that we are unaware of. And that that's what uh, I would be looking at. Sons of Italy, thank you so much for the $2 super sticker. Thanks for following hey. us. I, 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 I'm i sure you're one of Phil's fans because you're Italian. Hey, my paisan, sons of Italy. <laughs> Come paisan. So uh, I got I to gotta get some Celtic guys in the chat. What is this? These guys, uh, they don't like our, the Irish guys, you know, well, but the Italians are here. Don't worry, there, 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 there. You got your fans, Billy. <laughs> we, we don't want any 19-year-old girls latching on to That's you. right. That's true. That's true. <laughs> But uh, yeah, go, going back to what you're saying, listen, deep dive into the social media of of Vicky for sure to see who she was chatting with. Maybe she did searches, stuff like that. And there's probably not going to be a whole lot of visitors on Casey's, uh, you know, visitation list, whether it be in the local jail or in the prison he was in. So, again, go, the deep, hard, strong interviews on those people might turn up some evidence. And again, uh, I'm not going to get too far into this, but there is ways of tracking burner phones. More than likely, uh, one of the talking heads I saw brought up burner phones. If the burner phone was being operated in that area, possibly uh, could do something with that. I don't want to go any further than that, but there is a technology that exists. That you, can, uh, you know, you can do some uh, some uh, tracking on, on burner phones. You need a little bit of information, but I'll leave it at that. You know, so, but, uh here we There's go. Joy Zev7. I hate when people quote Dog the Bounty Hunter. You know, I mean, he's a cartoon character. And, you know, when he says on TV, I watched a little bit of it, he's apprehended 10,000 people. When you think of the number 10,000, all right, how many days are there in a year? 365, all right? So 
in 10 years, that would have been he caught 3,650 people if he worked every single day. So that would take 30 years to, to arrest someone every... So that number is absolute bullshit. So he loses all credibility with me. You know, I, I just... Teresita yeah. Hills, I'm Irish with a Latin name. Love and respect you guys. Thank you, Teresita hey, there we go. I don't mean to get down on dog. He's, he's made some high-profile... Um, he's exaggerating his numbers, Bill. Oh, yeah, he's totally exaggerating. And the other thing is he does not go near when fugitive enforcement is around because they would like flick him away like a fly trust me but well, I'm, they, gonna punch they, a hole. I'm gonna punch a hole in his theory if uh, they're bu booked out with a uh, airbnb as he said or a bed and breakfast from you know from beforehand if the car broke down there goes that you know how did they get to the location how close was it you know so there, there's there's listen there's a lot of theories out there i am certain that the inner workings of this case whoever the investigators are if i had the case folder in front of me they're getting close on this i could feel it yeah, no, there's, there's no doubt. And look, I'm not, again, I just, I, I feel Dog is a cartoon character. I've watched yeah. the show and, you know, they run after armed people with big canisters of mace. There's nothing more crazy than that, yeah, you know? Yeah, but, uh, and I also think, you know, when someone throws out a number like 10,000, it's a total ridiculous exaggeration. I know entire narcotics teams that haven't made 10,000 arrests and, you know, <laughs> but, yeah. but it's 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 funny. But when when you when you sit back and say, Oh, 10,000. Let me look at that number. Oh, how many days are in a year? <laughs> you know, and then it, it, you see how ri ridiculous it is. But uh, yeah. so I'm curious yeah, to see if this car was disabled, Billy. I think that's going to tell us a lot. Because if it is disabled and it looks like it broke down in the middle of the road, that puts them in a completely different mindset that throws a monkey wrench into their plans. And hopefully they'll make some mistakes from there. So Burr asked, is the FBI involved? Well, yeah, they're tra they're transporting a felon. Across uh, state lines, yeah. I'm sure that they're they're involved in some way. Uh, fugitive enforcement, they're also the feds. Yeah. So it's a federal unit. So um, they're all over this. There's some really good investigators on this. As I said yesterday, fugitive enforcement is one of the best units there is in in apprehending wanted perpetrators. Just think of how many states. Well, every state in the union has a state prison or multiple state prisons. I think they indicated there's over 3,000 escaped prisoners a year. So these guys know their work. They know what they're doing. They don't play. You know what I mean? These guys aren't put into this unit because they were writing summonses on the corner of uh, 96th Street and Broadway in Manhattan. These are the real deal, these guys, you know? Ryan, investigative group. Irish American Brooklyn guy. Thank there you for the super chat. Ryan, good man. I, I, I spurred. I, 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 I embarrass some of my Celtic fans. <laughs> You're but, bringing uh, out the Irish and everybody, Billy. That's right. They're showing up, but that's, no, that's we, nice. We get some people from across the pond and, and different locations that uh, show their heritage. And now, listen, it's nice to recognize everybody. We'll take fans. We don't care if they're part of our heritage or other heritage. We like subscribers, so keep up the good work, guys. Sure. But Sarah Monson, read that they are reopening investigation into the death of his previous yeah. girlfriend from 2008. Her death was ruled a suicide, and she was shot in the chest. Saw that with a one. shotgun, yeah. Which is, I, I saw that, and uh, you know, one of the, the the curious things about this is that he confessed to a murder in order to get transferred to this jail, where he would get. That's where they would hold you when you were having criminal court hearings. Because otherwise, sure. yeah, we explained it uh, earlier on. If you're a convicted felon, you go to state prison. You don't go to a jail. A jail houses people for less than a year. And that's the differentiation between a jail and a prison. So he wanted to be in the jail, of course, which is less secure. There's less less real, real bad guys in jail than there is in prison. So he somehow wanted to be in the jail. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, obviously less secure, uh, easy for him to plot and escape. And maybe he already, uh, from when he appeared in this jail a couple of years ago, uh, already started the relationship with, uh, with this corrections officer. Who knows if he knew her from even before then, God only knows. But, uh, the profile that we can come up with is that, uh, you're looking at a picture of her there on the screen without the blonde hair. I think that that's a very, uh, good thing to to get out into the media you know uh, that there could be uh, several looks uh there's him with some uh facial hair and uh longer hair 
I don't know if he could throw a wig on maybe or, and then you have the tattoos as uh, that are shown in that uh, picture on his right arm. And uh, that's something that would be indicative if he's spotted in the street. If you see a six foot 10 guy walking down the street and you spot a tattoo on his right arm, I would say it would be a good time to uh, call 911 or alert police. You know, during this, uh, this whole caper, he went from 260 to 340. Yeah, he's over <laughs> so 300 pounds. Now, now they're making him even scarier than he, than he actually is, you know? Bill, or maybe Bill, I saw one of the uh, walkouts. It was a recent court appearance. And if he's six foot ten and he's a husky guy, there's no way that he was 265. You could see uh, that he was over 300 pounds. I'm not saying he's a fat slob, but, uh, but he's a big guy. And six foot ten, that's a lot of, a lot of body mass to, uh, you know, to, to take up. Absolutely, sweet Caroline. The uh, the the reward money right now is fifteen thousand on Casey White, and ten thousand on Vicky. So it's twenty five thousand dollars total. Yeah. Uh, I'm sure it'll keep going up. Yeah, I can see that raising up if they don't apprehend them rather quickly, which you know we're all hoping for. We're also hoping that um, when they do apprehend them, that she's alive. We all have fear for her life, and it's very much warranted. This guy is a career criminal he's probably a two-time murderer he's done home invasions he's that seems like his forte he's a home invader you know so dangerous dangerous guy police this is uh folks this is police off the cuff real crime stories if you're not subscribed to us on youtube please go on our youtube hit that subscribe button give us a thumbs up ring that bell if you want to support us, whether you're Irish or Italian or any other ethnicity, we'll take ethnicity, or we'll take you, we'll take you all. Go on our uh, Patreon, and you can become a member. We have three different levels, and if you want to join our YouTube family, uh, we have five different levels on that. The folks in the green font, they're part of our YouTube family, and we appreciate all you guys that uh, that support us. Billy, you know, I'm just hoping and praying. Uh, we're saying that we want uh, her to be found safe, obviously. Uh, we, we we don't care one way or the other with him, but we would hope that he's safe and, and returned to jail to finish out his sentence. But I just hope that they don't be, become desperate and possibly hurt any innocent people uh, in and around whatever location they're at. Uh, you know, when they get desperate, uh, they might do something stupid and hurt someone. Let's just hope that that doesn't happen. And again, first and foremost, the safety of all law enforcement officers working on this case or come in contact with these two, that's got to be paramount. Uh, we would like to see a peaceful end without violence to this situation. However, you're dealing with a volatile in individual that's, uh, you know, facing 75 years already in jail. He's up on another murder charge and, uh, him going down in a blaze of glory seems like it could very well be. And again, this woman seems desperate herself. She threw away her whole life. She sold her home. She bought a car. She did all very wild, outlandish things uh, leading up to this escape. So uh, they're on the run. They're desperate. Uh, I just uh, I hope we don't wind up with a Thelma and Louise situation. Uh, that uh, that's a movie that I referenced where uh, two people on the run they wind up committing suicide. But uh, let's hope and pray that no one else innocent gets hurt in this whole debacle. That's for sure. Patty Banks, thank you so much for the one ninety nine super chat. He's not going back to jail. Patty Banks, you're one hundred percent correct. He is definitely not going to go back to jail, Good which is know. why these fugitive enforcement guys. They know who they're going after. Trust me. Although, you know, I've seen emergency service cops that are going after the worst fugitives and they're outside the door and the guy will scream, I'm not being taken alive. And they're like, okay. And they'll be like, I'll be right out. Yeah, <laughs> as soon as they yeah. hear that sound, you know. Listen, the, the profile of this guy doesn't sound good. But again, uh, when he's facing down, like you said, if he's facing down a uh, an MP5 machine gun, uh, things might change real quick. He might have a case of the R shits and say, all right, I'm giving up. You never know. But uh, the profile does not look good at this point. He does seem desperate. Uh, he's going back to a, a prison cell if he is taken alive. No question about that. Uh, 75 years he's got to do, and that's before he gets uh, tried on this new case. So, folks, you can see that little wanted poster, and at the bottom, it's not as big as I would have liked, is that um, Ford Escape, I think it was, that yeah. uh, 2007, that was, or it was a Ford Edge, I think. Edge, Ford Edge. And it was recovered a week ago. 
So that's the gist of this whole update today is that the car was recovered at 2.37 in the afternoon, the Friday that they escaped. So they've had a full week. There escape. wasn't a lot of publicity on this case a week ago either, Billy. So there is a good chance that they could have gotten access to another car, gotten further away than where they were, where this vehicle was found. So yeah, they had a weak head start. And like I said, I think the, the, the real uh, media attention didn't kick in until I'd say the last day or two, you know, that's when it really caught uh, the national attention. I did see it in the news. However, a few days back, it was kind of like a blurb. Wasn't a big uh, media story, but uh, it, it picked up a lot of steam in the last two, three days, I guess. Yeah. Okie dokie. Some hunters cabin will lodge up in the mountains. He's likely to already, he's <laughs> likely already fishing. I don't know. You know something? Look, he's been in prison. Does he have prison buddies maybe? Or is there a network of these white supremacists that have cabins up in Tennessee that he was in contact with prior? Look, you got to remember, they planned this. This wasn't a spur-of-the-moment thing. So does he have a cabin that he can go to, or, you know, one of his cellmates? You know, I, I just don't think that this guy looking at him has many friends. You know, he doesn't seem like a guy who's warm and fuzzy, uh, a warm and nurturing guy, if you look at his face there, you know. Uh, so I don't know if he has anyone, uh, although he duped, um, he duped this lady right here, right? Well, he does have one thing in his favor that him walking around in the streets at six foot nine with that tattoo and all the things that we stated before, he's going to really stick out like a sore thumb. However, she, I think he really does need her at this point. If they're in a place where they need food and stuff like that, if they need any kind of uh, supplies, you know, she could throw on a, a face covering uh, with the pandemic that's going on and, you know, a hat on her head or maybe a wig or whatever it is. She'd be a lot easier to disguise herself get into a store, get supplies and get out and get back to him. He's going to really stick out like a sore thumb. That's why I would think uh, he's not going to offer so quickly. He really does need her unless he has other people, uh, you know, uh, helping him out in, in his escape attempt here. So uh, if the, if it's just the two of them involved, that makes him more valuable at this point because he's not going to go out in public so easily. Whereas I think she might have a better chance to get out into public to pick up supplies or whatever it is and get back to the location where they're staying. For sure. Amber, welcome to the police off the cuff YouTube Thank you, family. Amber. Thank you so much for joining. Uh, we're going to take you on an exciting ride with some of these real crime stories from a police. I used to say police perspective, you know, and some people just listen to us because they like to hear our dopey New York accent, you know? Hey, 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 <laughs> it's not dopey. Go easy there. Man. I know. It's unique. It's a unique type of accent. <laughs> that, that's you know? for sure. That's for Give sure. me some of these, those, and thems, right? <clears throat> and I tone it down for the show. I'm not in my uh, natural. Hey, you try to articulate a little bit more. I hey, I'll get you a good on Jimmy Calandra's show. <laughs> Leave the gun, no, no, leave the gun, take the cannolis accent, you know? Yeah, but, yeah. Uh, yeah, this is a really, really, really interesting case. Uh, Schmitty, maybe Sergeant Bill will run into him in Isla Morada next time he goes fishing. That guy would stick out so much in Isla Morada, forget about it. They'd, yeah. have, they'd have him They'd have him under uh, by one of the fishing captains. <laughs> did you just say forget about it? I just heard I did. you say I did forget, forget about, about it. it. That's what it says when you enter Brooklyn. Forget about it, right? That yeah. big, that right, big that's sign. Right, that's right. Yeah, when you come over to Verrazano Bridge into Brooklyn. Crazy. You know, folks, I, I love to read uh, some of the chats, and I, I don't take anyone's comments for granted like I, it couldn't be possible. Anything is possible. And, you know, that old expression, you got to think outside the box. That's true. Uh, you can't just put yourself inside a box and you got to try to think like the perpetrator would think. What would they be thinking right now? Where would no, they be I'm thinking? looking at a, a comment by Sons of Italy. He'll use a wheelchair, shaved head with a COVID-19 mask. Sons of Italy, don't give him any ideas. That sounds like uh, a real good disguise. So don't give him any ideas, please. Wishbone fishing, did she have? I doubt she had a police. If she had a police radio, she would have left it in the police car. There's no use for that. Yeah, once uh, she gets out of the area, it's going to be ineffective anyhow. It's only Right, right. It doesn't work because it doesn't have the uh, repeater. That yeah, it, it yeah. works off. Uh, Lady Catherine Perry in the psychological profiling. Why, why would this long-term law enforcement person do this? We went for that earlier today. You know, I'll, 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 I'll refer, 
of the Dr. Phil here. Okay. Bottom line is it looks like she had failed uh, relationships with men. Uh, she had uh, been married to a person that was drug addicted. Uh, she wasn't able to save him. The, the word that we got was that she divorced him after his drug problem became so immense in the relationship that she wasn't able to uh, sustain a relationship anymore. So we're getting a profile of someone who is maybe low self-esteem, uh, unloved. Uh, maybe no one ever professed their love in a way that uh, she felt comfortable. Uh, again, she was uh, at a very, very... Uh, I'm going to say a very uh, sensitive time in her life. Perhaps she, uh, you know, she lived next door to her mom, doesn't have a man in her life, feeling unloved. And uh, she was manipulated. You know, he professed his love. God only knows the things he said. Uh, he's a lot younger than her. So maybe that played on her emotions as well. Uh, she may have had trouble in the dating area of her life. I don't know. But uh, it does sound like... Uh, she was uh, taken for a ride by this guy. And, uh, you know, I'm sure when we get, uh, when she's, if she's found alive and taken into custody, they do a psychological profile on her. They're going to say, uh, I'm certain that there was uh, definitely some type of issues. Maybe she was abused as a child. Uh, that could cause. Bill, you're getting too deep, man. You're getting way too deep for your, your, your degree. I didn't see that degree on the, on the wall behind you. <laughs> maybe, maybe He's going to show up at Dr. Life. Phil's station on Monday. He's going to go, Hey, Dr. Phil, you're out. I'm in. He's going, hey, Phil. <laughs> Listen, he Frank, Phil, Phil, you better get out of here before I get my security to kick you out of here. <laughs> <laughs> well, that, that that's just a, a, a quick outline of what we think it's, it's going to be. And I, I don't think it's that much of a stretch. You know, uh, why would someone throw away uh, a career in law enforcement as a correction officer over 20 years and sell property and do all of these things, you'd really have to be uh, in a, a very, very uh, sensitive, a very, very fragile mental state to do stuff like that. So that's telling me there's something going on up here. Bill, I 100% agree. Uh, someone's asking, she's five foot five inches tall and she weighs 145 pounds. Right. It is six foot nine 260 to 340, whatever you believe, according to what uh, the prison food was doing to him that week. You know, he's not in good shape. He looks like he's, he doesn't, uh, but, he, but he's huge. So he doesn't even have to be in good shape, you know. Uh, Amber, I do think they'll be caught soon. Doesn't seem like she was smart enough to cover her internet tracks. I work in cybersecurity and I imagine there's a huge dumpster of data to go through. Amber, you know better than us. And I, that's exactly how people can get caught. Thank you for that little um, tidbit. Uh, that's that's very important. Uh, Peter Rabbit. I can see how this happened because she was at work all day more than at home. She had no big, so she had too big of a heart and was seeing people in cages all day. You know, look, we discussed on how difficult it is to be a correction officer. Uh, it's you're locked up if you do twenty years as a CO. Um, you've done seven years inside. That's what they calculated the amount of time you spent in there. And if you're working crazy overtime, like most correction officers do, um, you're doing even more time than that. You know, so it's really nuts. Who is the boss in this duo? Now, she still may be, but he's not going to like it at some point and will hurt her. No, no, he's the boss. There's no way she's the boss. You know, he got her to do this outrageous bit of, you know, escape destroying her whole life for him. He is 100%. I don't think you need to have a degree in psychology or a degree from the University of Brooklyn to, to uh, you know, to... to <laughs> the so, University you know, of Degree from Brooklyn is some pretty good street smarts. It's that's right, you know, to, to predict this. No, he's Listen, in charge now. Yeah, he's in charge. He manipulated her. He may make her believe that she's in charge, but he's pulling all the strings 100%. I don't think there's any doubt about that. And he's flowering her with compliments and how beautiful she is and his deep devoted love and all of that stuff. And uh, that's the only way that I think he can manipulate her into doing the things that she's done is by, uh, you know, telling her, this is the love of his life and on and on and on. And, uh, you know, she may have been ripe uh, for that type of attention in her life. She maybe never got it. Uh, we talked about the, uh, the drug addicted husband that she stood in touch with and she tried to save and try to help him. She's one of those people that wanted to help and wanted to save 
whoever was around her. So uh, all of these personality traits might be leading up to what transpired. And uh, we'll know more uh, once they're captured. I'm sure there's going to be a very, very deep investigation to this whole thing. Yeah, I mean, look, it, it's not an uncommon thing. I think that uh, Cindy or Terry, ooh, a cannoli with a cup of coffee. Mm. <laughs> My kind of girl. That's right. Uh, Vesper Q, oh my goodness, I don't think she was that stupid. We're not saying she was, well, falling for this, falling for this guy's, uh, it's Phil, very stupid. Yeah. Yeah. Phil went into the whole psychological makeup of this, uh, and why, and you know, self esteem comes into play being a correction officer. But she was also, a, um, she was a boss, she was it's second in charge in that jail. So it's like, she threw everything away, everything away. And Michelle Lipscomb, maybe he didn't really kill the other lady, but confessed just to get back to the county jail. Vicky may have got, uh, gave him info into, uh, not known to the public to make his confession seem legit. I don't know. I think I think he really did do it. You know, I think he really did. Let's get a hold of him back in custody, and then we'll uh, cross all of those bridges once we get him. Yeah. Well, so, all right. No, I can't even pronounce that Italian <laughs> word. <laughs> I would like a Shvuyadel with a cup of espresso. Oh, Shvuyadel. my God. It's it's the pastry that looks like a clamshell, and it's got powdered sugar on it. It's got like almost like a cheese inside. Uh, very delicious pastry. I like that, Burr. Very nice. Very nice. Another <laughs> one of my kind of gals. B. Abernathy, maybe her life was just too boring. It could be, you know, could be Deborah, Deborah Sunflower. She's a widow with no children. That's right. And, you know, she was actually only married for four years. She, she you know, the other thing is, what kind of social life is she having working in a jail? You know, maybe uh, that uh, over time, you know, hearing all these horrible stories of inmates, who knows what kind of story she was hearing. And maybe she could have been pulling a lot of overtime, spending more time than usual in that jail. And uh, it's quite depressing and put her in that state that she was vulnerable and taken advantage of. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, Granny Cuck Looney. She was lonely and he could tell and played on her emotions, in my opinion. No doubt, yeah. Granny Cuck. Uh, Kirk Mitchell, do you think he is making his control stronger by making love to her to form an even stronger hold? Look, I don't know what their physical relationship was, if they had one. I assume they probably did uh, to get to this level of commitment. Like she just destroyed a whole life for this guy. So I would assume that that probably existed. That's really not that uncommon in the correctional world, although it is a crime uh, for a correctional officer to have sex with a uh, an inmate. Absolutely. You know, it's just... Of course, uh, on the line. Of course. It's unethical. Well, yeah. I mean, but once it crosses that line there, uh, the, the ethics of it is out the window to it. Now it's a crime, you know? Peter yeah. Rabbit. Saw her house in a picture, nice small home with a garage behind it. So sad. Which she sold for the, half its value. Right, she sold it to to her ex husband, his mother, for half the value, you know. So um, you can see, yeah, she was uh, she was up against it. Yeah, it was, it was it was a desperate plot to try and get uh, him to, uh, out of jail, and uh, I guess the clock was ticking because she wanted to do her retirement and all. You know, it was all working in conjunction with one another, all the different moving parts of this uh, of this plot. But uh, once they put it in motion, I think there was a, I saw one report where they actually she had like a, a almost like a test run, a, a dry run uh, in the previous weeks. So, uh, yeah, they put the plan into motion and uh, she executed. And uh, I guess the only way that she could get the house sold quickly was to sell it way below market vial. Yeah. Andrew, hello from South Africa. Good to see hello, you, Andrew. Man. Yeah, good to see you. Patricia Bela. Hey, I'm boring, but no way in hell I'm doing anything like this, Broad. <laughs> yeah, I, I agree. I wouldn't give up my whole life for that, you know? Yeah. Those extra biscuits pleased him. Yeah, I guess so, you know? What uh, people will do for an extra biscuit, you know? She it's gave like him a, a biscuit and a kiss, maybe, and then, you know, maybe, you know? went from there. It's, it's really crazy. Uh, so, folks, um, you know, we came on again. We, we just wanted to do a short update. Uh, we're going to stay with this case, obviously. I think Duty Ron is going to do a show tonight. Uh, he mentioned something about searching with drones. 
And apparently the federal marshals do not use drones. I don't know why, but they don't use drones. Um, so he's going to do a, a, a deeper dive tonight on that. So if you get a chance, you guys are Duty Ron fans, go on his show, give Duty Ron a look, give him uh, some police off the cuff love. You know, he sent some of his of uh, his folks to me, and I'd like to try to do the same thing. Rat five oh seven, Billy. Rat five oh seven. I believe she was an informed for. I believe it was vulnerability. She did it because it was a conscientious decision. Yeah, we we looked at you know we're looking into that, and I think it makes perfect sense. It's just it's sad that she threw her whole life away for this uh, this miscreant, this low level human. You know, it's just just ridiculous. Uh, Banjo Zep7, what if she likes this outlaw life and they work together as partners? She was in a position with power. He may be the boss, but I can't see her completely letting go of the reins. I don't know. I hope that she survives this, that she even has reins to hold on to. Well, he's know? he's going to make her believe that she's the boss or in control. He'll make overt remarks or actions, you know, letting her think that. But uh, bottom line is he's in control of this situation at this point. Once he's out, he's uncuffed. Uh, firearms are uh, probably within their possession. He's in control. There's no question about that. Yeah, no, I, I have no, I have no doubt that uh, he's he's totally in control. Uh, Diana McGinn, thank you both. Appreciate your hard work. Great show. Appreciate you guys. Thank you. Uh, you know, we we actually were down. I was on vacation. We were down for like a week, so it's good to be back. And of course, as they say, when it rains, it pours. You know, we this is the third show we've done on this in less than twenty four hours. I was just going to say three and, shows in less than a day. So yeah, yeah, it's like back, you know, you got us. As you got to strike when the iron's hot, as they say, you know. Yeah, yeah. And folks, how many people think that Phil Grimaldi should take over for Dr. Phil on TV? He bring in his Brooklyn accent and get rid of that Southern accent. I'll take his three PM slot, no problem, no problem. <laughs> I don't have a PhD on the wall behind me, but I got That's the right. uh, PhD from the NYPD. So That's right, PhD say. in street, Phil. Yeah. Final, final words. and then Final words, see. real quick. We're going to be right on top of this. Let's hope for a safe recovery of both of these individuals with no one else being harmed or uh, traumatized in any way, shape, or form. The minute that it does happen, and I expect it sooner rather than later, we'll be on it. Stay tuned, folks. Folks, thank you so much for uh, tuning in both last night, this afternoon at 1, and, of course, right now. Uh, we really appreciate you guys. And uh, as, as Phil just said, we're going to stay with this case, and we hope that you stay with us on the case. Have a great day. Stay safe, everyone. One episode just ain't enough.